1: Welcome into B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And Bonnie, it's been a week since we last chatted. Uh, We were going to chat on Sunday. Unfortunately, I got a little bit too tired and I overslept my alarms. And by the time I woke up on Sunday afternoon, I had to scramble to get to work. So um, my apologies on that end. That was totally my fault. Apparently, I needed the extra rest. Shocking, I but know. But you know
0: what, though, that's okay because Sunday really was more of a day of reflection. It so. was,
1: and you know, let's let's talk about that. So, you know, you and I are both big basketball fans. That's obvious. If you listen to the show at any point, you know that. You know, I'm a I'm a Detroit Pistons guy. Uh, growing up, they, they were my team as my family was from the Midwest, but, you know, living in Portland, Oregon, the Blazers have been my team and, you know, I've been an employee of the Blazers. I'm still a backup producer for them. And so, you know, when I woke up a little bit later in the afternoon, several hours after the announcement had come out that, uh, Kobe Bryant had been killed in a helicopter crash, um, that really hit way too close for home for me. And, yes. you know, not just because I'm a fan of the NBA, but as somebody that's been in that locker room that has talked to Kobe Bryant on numerous times, you know, you never want to see somebody pass away that tragically in that you know type of event. But Bonnie, he was 41 years old, gone way before he was supposed to be. And, you know, I think that hit, way close to home and then once you started to find out that his daughter was with him other members of his team were with him um i have another connection to the to the helicopter crash um i'm went to the university of oregon jj Eltabelly was a player on our baseball team for wow. the ducks he managed a team here in portland with the wood bat league and you know his father his mother and his sister were killed And so it just, you know, finding that information out Sunday as I'm walking into work, you know, made for an extremely somber day. A lot of my coworkers are big basketball fans and they were extremely quiet, not, you know, completely out of the ordinary for them. And so, you know, it just you're right. It was a day of reflection, but it was a day of, you know, I need to call my mom. I need to call Uh my sister. I want to call my brothers, and I want to tell them that I love them, and I want to talk to my niece and nephews. And, you know, it's just, it's totally unfortunate. Um, Uh And, you know, while these events do happen every single day, because of who was on the helicopter, it's magnified a million times.
0: Right. And that's not to discount everybody else. It's just somebody on Facebook, actually one of my Facebook friends, really said it really beautifully. She said that the reason the focus is Kobe mostly is because – like this whole country had a connection to him he's been in all of our lives for all these years most people i mean not everyone's a sports fan not everyone's watching basketball but a large majority of the population has been watching basketball and he has been part of basketball for the last 20 plus years and so he's just really an icon and he was really i mean if you just go back and all his different videos and different things that he has said quotes and all that he's really smart really dedicated and really had a lot of words of wisdom to give a lot of people and so you know that's just the tragedy is that he was just somebody that was prominent in everybody's lives that even though we all didn't know him know him it's just he's been there And we feel like we know him, you know, and so that's, that's why he's a little more of the focus, but everyone's lives in the helicopter mattered for sure. And to your point about, you know, wanting to call your sister and your mom and stuff like that, I don't know if you saw, but just a couple hours after the news broke, Kendrick Perkins tweeted and like basically apologized to Kevin Durant and was like, look, let's squash this. We're good. I have much respect for you, blah, blah, blah. And I thought that was awesome. I really, really thought that was
1: great. If you have a moment, um, and it's circulated on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere, YouTube has as well. Go watch Shaquille, Shaquille O'Neal from last night's Inside the NBA on TNT. Um, beside it being my, you know, my go-to studio show for the NBA, and and for my money, it's the only one worth watching, especially following any game. Just, you know, the guys are lighthearted, but they talk the NBA. They were at Staples Center and. Shaq has a good, you know, five minute talk and talk about just a guy, again, who, you know, had to honestly kind of squash some things. You know, uh-huh. he, he and Kobe got along when they went on their title runs. But, you know, there was stuff said, you know, before and after and, you know, after Shaq left and then Kobe went and, you know, won some more rings, you know, they kind of. You know, they reconnected, especially after Shaq retired and, you know, Kobe was starting to wind down his career. They became really close. And, you know, listen, there's a lot of shit out there. And, you know, normally we don't swear on this podcast, so please forgive me. But, you know, there is a lot of shit that we deal with and a lot of stuff that we go through. And we make a lot of drama up that is completely, you know, worthless. But we Uh hold on to it because, you know, it's something that we think is important. Yeah. When it comes down to it, there's nothing worth, you know, holding a grudge about. You know, you can Because
0: you just don't know when it's that person's last day. Exactly. Like you just said about Shaq and Kobe. Like he had stuff he wanted to say to him and now he can't. And he just never thought that it would be the blink of an eye and he would have these regrets. And so that's why I agree with what you said and wanting to call your mom and Kendrick Perkins. And I just uh, I don't know if you watched any interviews with any other players, or did you see Doc, is it Doc Rivers? Yes, That's Doc name, Rivers, right? yep. Did you see his, it was like a five minute video yep. clip of him talking about it, oh, I couldn't even get through that, I was like that is, he was just, he could barely get out what he wanted to say, and LeBron's tweet was sad, and did you see what he was saying about Kobe the night before? Oh yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, and and for those of you that, you know, aren't into sports and aren't sure what that specific reference is, the night before, so Saturday night, LeBron James passed Kobe Bryant on the all-time NBA scoring list. And we knew that it was going to come down to this season would, when that would eventually happen. And, you know, now that LeBron is in L.A. playing for the Lakers, the only team that Kobe played for, and, mm-hmm. yes, those guys were tight. They knew – each other inside and out they played together on team usa they won a gold medal together they played together in all-star games and then they played together for the lakers and you know these two guys understood that you know they were the nba and you know they complemented each other's drives they were the same person when it came to On the court, but off the court, you know, you had a guy, you know, in LeBron who respected Kobe to the point where in high school, you know, LeBron tells the story that he and his business partner uh, Maverick Carter drive to Philadelphia for the All-Star game and they get to meet with Kobe Bryant the night before uh LeBron plays a game and Kobe gives him a pair of shoes and Mm -hmm. at the time you know LeBron was wearing like a size 14 but the shoe was a size 13 but he wore them anyways the next day and then Kobe goes and scores like 60 points in his hometown of Philadelphia at the all-star game and how you know that story kind of kicked off their career and becoming friends and you know the the tributes were great and you look at what everybody had said And it's great. And I'm glad that people are posting stuff on Facebook. And, you know, um, you know, you made a good point there. People that don't necessarily follow sports or follow basketball, you know, they might know who Kobe Bryant is, or at least they know the name. Chances are they know it from, you know, the sexual assault allegations, which, again, that was taken out of court. That was settled. It was a non-issue then. And it moves on. Right. You know. Nothing Mm -hmm. became of it.
0: I'm so glad that's not what people are talking about. Exactly.
1: Same here. And, you know, it's mentioned in the obituaries. It's mentioned in his, you know, memorandums, because that's what people, you know, that's what was a big part of, you know, the story of Kobe for a little bit of time. And so, of course, they're going to bring it up. But the thing that really drives me nuts are people on Facebook. that are like, I'm glad he's gone. Or, you know, I could really care less about another sports ball star. And it's like you guys are missing the point here. OK, right. Yes, I get that every day. People die tragically in car crashes or helicopter crash or unforeseen circumstances. But when somebody has an impact that has changed the lives and has changed culture like he did it is reflective people will be upset i understand mm-hmm. that you might not feel that way and i get that but i had a friend text me saying asking if she was cold hearted because she was kind of <coughs> over the whole you know kobe thing i said well no you're not cold hearted you know you have an opinion and that's great But I guarantee you, if one of your heroes had passed away like this, you would be wanting the radio to play the tributes. You would be wanting the Grammys to open up and talk about it. You would want somebody who won an award to mention his name.
0: Or all the NBA teams.
1: Yes. The
0: next few nights, every single one took a 24-second shot clock violation. Yep both teams in the games. And yep. I thought that was just amazing. Right.
1: And again, they handle it the right way. And I'm saying this as somebody that is a fan of the NBA and a fan of sports, I get it. Not everybody is, but if you have to take the social media to crap on somebody because they're upset about somebody's passing, you need to do some serious self-reflecting.
0: Right. Like regardless if he was famous or not yep. famous, he is a person who had a family who is gone now along with a daughter, six other people who are gone now or seven other people. And I want to point out, I think it was somebody on the Dallas Mavericks team wrote every victim's name on his shoes and played game. Yeah. So trust me, the NBA is not forgetting the other people on the helicopter either. Nope. So, cause I feel like that's a huge thing. People are like, they're only talking about Kobe and Gianna and it's like, no, no one else has forgotten.
1: Right. Promise. Uh, we mentioned JJ Altabelli, the guy that I know from the university of Oregon. He is now a scout with the Boston red Sox. And they put out a tweet saying, listen, you know, the Boston Red Sox Foundation, we're going to take care of our own. We're going to take care of J.J. financially, emotionally, whatever he needs, he and his sister. And then they set up a GoFundMe page. If you want to donate, we're going to donate money to, you know, to the Alta Belli family and then other victims. And you're seeing that Shaq has said that he's going to donate the remainder of his salary this year from TNT wow. to people. And, wow. you know, you see all these people that are going to contribute. So yes, it is a tragic accident and there's no other way to describe it other than a tragic accident, but people are coming together for the betterment of those involved. And that I think is, is Mm -hmm. super important. And that honestly, it's a win. It's a win for humanity. It's a win for, you know, just people being kind.
0: Yes. And that, that person that you're referencing, I forget what name you said, but that he lost both parents.
1: Yeah, J.J. Altabelli lost his, both yeah, his parents yeah. and a sister.
0: Like, just lost his whole family. And coming from me, like, I have a small family, and it was just, you know, me and my mom and my sister, and me and my sister lost my mom. So I completely know what he's feeling to just oh, have yeah. one sibling left and no parents left. Like, it is the most—it doesn't what age you are. It is the most— scary sad like I don't know if I can pick myself up kind of feeling so I feel so bad for him so bad
1: right and you know the NBA is going to rally around you know Vanessa Bryant and the rest of the kids and you know that Shaq is going to take care of you know Vanessa you know with emotional support financial support whatever she needs you know the Lakers will do the same Mm -hmm. and you know the hundred other NBA players that are going to be there and you know, why we why we said this is a tragedy, it absolutely is. This is gonna be something that we look back on in five, ten years, as hopefully a turning point for compassion with people, because you know, it's it's honestly that's what this is gonna become. This is about caring yeah. and looking after your neighbor, your fellow human being, and making sure they're okay.
0: Yes, and like we said, just because he's a celebrity, he impacted society and culture just like any other significant losses sure. robin williams michael jackson like you know all these people yep. just influenced yeah yeah influenced us in ways we don't really realize at the time until they've passed and then we're right. like wow they were a big part of just us just our regular culture and You know, they were significant. So for people to just be like, I'm over the Kobe thing, it's just, it's insensitive and it's ignorant. And if you feel that way, fine, but just keep it to yourself.
1: Yep, exactly. I mean, and you know, the, the closest thing that I want to compare this to is maybe the death of a United States president, right? It's Mm -hmm. multiple days of mourning. It's multiple days of celebration. It's multiple days of nonstop social media coverage, TV coverage, radio coverage, print coverage. Mm -hmm. And that's what this has become. And again, I'm not saying that Kobe was anything near a president, but because he was everything to the city of Los Angeles, he was, you know, a lot to the NBA. And because he was, you know, not only a five time NBA champion, he was an Oscar winning, you know, producer and creator. Mm -hmm. The guy, you know, wasn't just, you know, between the lines on the court. Like you said, he was a member of a culture in which, you know, people looked at him for, you know, inspiration. And what was he going to do next? Um, You know, we heard the tributes uh, from everybody saying, you know, that, you know, Kobe Bryant had opened up a production house to do movies and other types of content creation. And people were blown away by the fact that they'd go into a meeting and Kobe Bryant would be there. And, you know, people are like, but that's just how he was. He wanted to be involved in every aspect of what he was going to do outside of basketball. He was coaching his daughter's team. And, you know, it's just you sit there and you look at it. It's like, OK, the, the guy left basketball because his body couldn't handle it. But that didn't mean that his mind was gone. He was still right. able to do whatever he wanted. And you know, from all reports was that he was going to be that way. He was going to be inducted in the NBA hall of fame this summer. And, you know, listening to those guys talk about not being able to be, you know, with him for the induction, that's really what, what got to me. Yeah. You know, just saying, you know, we were going to be there with him and we're going to joke and kid around and, you know, say that your likeness will now, you know, be forever enshrined on a statue at the Naismith, you know, basketball hall of fame. Well, you know, that's still going to happen. It's just now going to be done, you know, post-mortem. And you're just like, man, this isn't what, you know, this what, This is not how the story is supposed to end.
0: Right. And and that's how I felt. Like, I saw one thing on Twitter about it, only one. And I was like, this cannot be right. Right. And I, I got off Twitter and then 30 minutes later went back and then I saw multiple. And I was like, holy, holy crap. Like, is this? Like, I just, it took me a minute to really believe that it was real because that happens. People are like, oh, so-and-so has passed away and they haven't oh, yeah. really. And I just, it still feels unreal because it's just, you know, when you see someone every day and someone is such a prominent figure. Right. You just don't think that they're, they're going to pass away ever. I mean, I felt that way about like Robin Williams and stuff. I'm like, that's, it's just so weird. It just feels like these have been staples since you were young that you just think they're always going to be there and so it's just so it's just so weird and my heart goes out to his family and the families of the other people on the helicopter and and just to everybody it's a tough loss for everybody
1: it is um and you know we are a weather podcast you know we do talk sports quite frequently on this show but that's just because that's you know that's just because that's what you and we know we're sports fans right we pay it we we like sports um but, you know, there is a weather aspect to this crash. And, mm-hmm. you know, the NTSB is actively investigating it. Uh, they're on the scene in California. And, you know, the initial reports were that they departed from John Wayne County Airport. Um, Orange, sorry, John Wayne, Orange County Airport. Uh, and then in a helicopter, privately owned, and had to circle for a couple minutes until they got clearance to continue. And, you know the ba- the la basin that day and the days preceding it had been in an unusually weird weather pattern where they had uh-huh. dense fog for most of the day um it's not uncommon to get fog in la san diego that area close to the coast obviously you know we know what causes fog you know different you know conditions change and you can get fog to come in quite frequently and it happens there but most of the inland empire was in in fog and so they were saying that these were abnormal conditions for Southern California. The helicopter took off and flew anyways. There was an experienced pilot, which you go back and you can talk, to, you know, read the articles about aviation experts saying for an experienced pilot, this should have been nothing new. However, there were certain conditions that might have made him think twice. You know, yeah. the LAPD had grounded their air fleet uh, just to just to you know, too much uncertainty. The conditions weren't right for them to fly, so they didn't. It the helicopter was operating under special visual flight rules, which if you are a pilot or involved in aviation, a visual flight rule means you can actually see the conditions. You're not having to fly strictly on your instruments. So there are two types of ratings when you're a pilot. There's instrument rated pilot or visual rated pilot. So most pilots are both, but some only fly when the conditions are perfect. Others don't fly if there's a cloud in the sky. And that's a personal choice. And that's why pilots, you know, go through the extensive training they do. So, you know, the pilot that was flying Kobe and the other folks was very experienced. He was a pilot for many years. From all reports, he had flown other NBA players for a long time. So he was used to, you know, kind of the sudden changes of of schedules and having to be ready at a moment's notice, which most pilots are in the private sector. But... You know, I have a lot of friends that are helicopter, you know, geeks. And these guys were like, just land the damn bird. Like if the conditions are that bad, just find somewhere to land. Um, yeah. A buddy of mine that I know through my days at iHeartRadio lives back on the East Coast. Huge helicopter buff and shared this post with a hel- from a helicopter group saying, in adverse conditions, these are all the places helicopters have been forced to land because the pilot just didn't feel safe. And there's a picture of a helicopter in a McDonald's parking lot. There's a picture yeah. of a helicopter on a random football field. There's a picture of a helicopter next to a freeway, like at a way station. And, you know, the pilots just said, listen, we didn't feel comfortable enough continuing flying until the conditions got better. So we just landed the bird. And, yeah. you know, we see that now with all these people. Well, Why didn't the pilot just decide to land? Why would the pilot, you know, increase you know, altitude or forward speed or whatever, you know, factors led to this crash. And you had mentioned before we started taping about the air traffic control chatter that tapes out there. And it's interesting to hear because they're trying to figure out basically where, where, where the helicopter is.
0: Yeah. And why they're not responding. Yep. and Yep. You know, I don't know anything about flying. I mean, I've watched a lot of like airplane crash shows and stuff like that, but I really just don't know a lot about flying. And I understand everyone's point of view. Like, why didn't you just land it? Cause I kind of thought that too, but right. I mean, there's all kinds of stories of people being in the air, being in the water and stuff and being disoriented and not knowing exactly what direction they're facing, if they're up or down and yep. that kind of thing. And so maybe that's what was happening. And then before, he could figure out where he was he came in contact with the side of that mountain maybe he thought he had it and before he realized he didn't have control of where he was it was just too late i mean people make mistakes and i just really don't want them to blame the pilot because i don't he wasn't out there like this is it this is kobe's last day like you know what i mean it was an accident
1: and listen and there have been documented cases recently of pilots that have said that you know, or pilots that have been on tape saying, you know, I'm doing this because of X, Y, Z. That, I believe, is not the case with this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, aviation experts, weather experts will tell you the number one cause, leading cause of crashes in aviation is weather. Yep. usually. Yep. And usually it's visibility related. You don't see a mountain. You don't trust your instruments. Um, I have a couple of good girlfriends of mine that have just become pilot instructors. So they learn wow. how to fly. You know, they get their certifications and now they can go on and they can instruct and become teachers. And they've told stories of, you know, their instructors have told them that, you know, it is very common for a young pilot. Flying through a cloud for the first time or flying through a series of weather events, you know, where it is cloudy and there is no visibility outside the airplane. And it's extremely common for them to come out of that cloud upside down and not realize it. Wow. And my thought is, how in the world do you not realize you're upside down?
0: See, that's what I'm saying. And there's been stories of that and it's common in the water, too. And so who knows? Just who knows? He Maybe he thought he was going north, but he was really face south, you know. So, I mean, if you can come out upside down and not realize it, then you could definitely be flying south and not north and not realize that.
1: And, again, if you're flying under, you know, special, you know, visible flight rules and it turns into an IFR or instrument flight rated situation and you're trying to compute what's going on, say you have visibility and all of a sudden you don't, you can become very disoriented very quickly. Yeah. So,
0: And and we don't realize how easy that is because when you're on the ground, you have points of reference, the sky, Walmart, the gas station, like certain tall building that you always see to the north. You know what I mean? Like we have those points of reference when you're in the sky and in the clouds, you have no landmarks, you have no street sign. It's just sky all around you. So it's just not the same. And I think a lot of people who aren't experienced with flying, which most of us aren't, most of us are not pilots. We just don't think about that, that we, there's not points of reference up in the air in clouds.
1: Well, and they say the same thing. Like if you're in a blizzard or say like you're out skiing and you're caught up in an avalanche or you fall into a tree well. Yeah. It's so disorienting to figure out where you are, where you're trying to maybe you think you're digging up, but you're digging down or sideways and you have right. that no visual reference. You know, and there are some things that you know that, OK, like if you're upside down, you know that, you know, the blood's going to rush to your head and something feels kind of weird. Right. You feel your body weight on top of you. So you try to, you know, get out of that too. it's more of a normal, more normal feel. But you just don't have that. And they say the same thing. Like if you're a surfer and you wipe out and you're being tossed by a wave, you don't know which way is up or down or left or right.
0: Yes. And people drown because they're swimming down thinking they're swimming up and they never make it to the surface. And by the time they realize they're swimming down, they don't have enough time to swim back up. And yeah. So, I mean, people need to be a little more lenient and not... I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't seen anything about anybody saying anything about the pilot, but I'm sure it's out there. And I think people need to just chill because if you haven't flown a helicopter through fog in the mountains, then you don't really have anything to comment about because you have no idea
1: what happened. Exactly. And like we said, the NTSB is going to do the investigation. Um we'll probably get an early look into what they're thinking here actually in the next couple of days, and then the full report will come out, you know probably it will take them a few months to go through everything, but you know okay. we'll know in the very short term what the initial thought is, but um you know, like we said, Sunday was just a terrible day for the sports world, for you know most people involved in any type of entertainment or you know just anything that you know is connected with you know, Los Angeles or basketball or culture. And it's just, you know, it's one of those ones that just hits you and you're just like, man, you know, mm-hmm. I wanted to go through my audio, um, my audio archive and see if I could find any of the times I talked to Kobe. Please do. And, and you know, please post that. Yeah. And so I've, you know, I'm slowly digging through all my thumb drives, but you know, I know, you know, in the back of my mind, I have, you know, audio of him talking about how great Brandon Roy um the former blazer point guard was going to be and i have him on tape about talking about how he believes that damian lillard is going to be the next you know great point guard not just of the blazers but you know from an nba aspect and so you know those things too kobe i will say this is one of the three people in sports that have has responded to one of my questions with next question which is kind of like the ultimate like backhanded slap but the question i was asked deserve that and that's okay and so, you know, I just kind of chuckled with that. But, you know, I, I want to see if I have that audio line around somewhere. I'm sure one of my mm-hmm. former bosses do just because, you know, they keep all that stuff. But, you know, you just you look back on it. And you're like, you know, this one this one hurts.
0: Yeah. Big time. Big time. And a big part of it is because his daughter was there with him. Yep. And so uh, it's it it hurts. I agree.
1: It does. It does. But, you know, like I said. We'll get an, an early look into what the investigation is saying here pretty quick, probably in the next five to ten days. Uh, the NTSB likes to usually uh, release kind of that early preliminary look um, about a week or ten days out of the accident. So we're coming up on that window here pretty quick. But uh, Sunday was tough. Mm-hmm. And
0: oh, I, I want to also add that the investigation was delayed slightly because of where it was. They yes. had to, like, bulldoze some stuff away so yep. they could actually get to it. So that just tells you where they were. They weren't just
1: exactly and, over flat land. Right. And they had to bring in actual other helicopters to help, you know, rescuers, you know, rappel down to the scene. So uh, they
0: did know. say everybody was recovered out yes. of there
1: though. Yes. They have finally, the coroner said that they finally did recover uh, everybody. So, you know, now the investigation will move forward and we will find out, uh, it is believed that the helicopter does have both black boxes and those believed were recovered from the scene. So at least we'll get, you know, audio tapes and flight data from that. And we'll be able to help kind of paint that picture. But Mm -hmm. man, Sunday, like we said, was sad. Very. So, um, turning from that to, you know, what this podcast is about, which is weather. um, Models have been kind of all over the place. We're now getting ready, buying to enter our third official month of meteorological winter, and we've had some great winter storms. We've had some severe storms. But, man, we're playing this roller coaster trough ridge pattern, and it looks like it's about to get a lot warmer in the plains. Uh And, hey, look, it's going to be cold for us in the Pacific Northwest. (laughs) We'll but get... that's okay. Your cold will filter into us. Yes. That's how it goes. yes. So <laughs> And we we will get into the into the gun shyness of all the, you know, amateur meteorologists, weather geeks, model riders in a minute. Because, you know Actually let's just jump into it right now because I, I think this is hilarious. So for the last five, six days, uh, it's been hinted that there's a pattern change coming. And so this morning, finally, the GFS, God, we love the GFS, jumps (laughs) on board and slams all this cold air into us. Lows again in the lower 30s, upper 20s, highs in the mid 30s, maybe creeping toward freezing. And we're all just like, oh, my gosh, it's, you know, winter storm, you know, apocalypse, whatever, cold air, Arctic blast, part two of the year. And nobody's talking about it
0: because it always comes down to a few degrees and yep. that's the s- most annoying part about the winter and winter storms and that's what happened here we got all that snow in northwest oklahoma and we didn't get it here in the city because we were 4 5 6 degrees above freezing and urban
1: heat island effect i'm calling it right now <sighs>
0: I don't know. I just, I don't even know what it was, but it was so annoying because Northwest Oklahoma got like, I don't know, four, five, six, seven thousand inches. <laughs> and we got a couple of inches of rain. It rained all day right. and we did get a little flurry late last night, but I mean, nothing here
1: nothing the pattern change that we had talked about a couple weeks ago but you know and we had talked about for such a long time on the show where you know i was looking at maybe the you know gfs saying 20 inches the euro saying 15 you know and this arctic blast is going to come down over the northwest and basically you know eastern washington eastern oregon And central Oregon were going to be under the bullseye of the coldest air, which was going to flow through the gorge and, you know, drop a bunch of snow in Portland. And everybody was gung-ho on this. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. The latest pattern change is now, again, cold air is going to come into the Northwest. It's not centered over, you know, Oregon or Washington. It's over Idaho, you know, parts of the Rocky Mountains, but enough cold air would, you know, filter through. And if this were, you know, how we handle things last time, we'd be all gung ho. But Bonnie, there's two people talking about it. One guy's like, How long are you going to wait until you do a Facebook Live video? And I looked at him, I'm like, I want it within 48 hours. Yeah. I'm not going to jump on it four days. I'm not going to jump on it five days. It's now in that six day window, which I will say was much better than the previous runs had it. But unless I see it, and if it's there on Sunday, and I know that we could be getting snow on Monday, then I'll talk about it. But I'm not, I am gung shy. I don't want anything to do with models or looking at individual ones. I'm just literally waiting for the pattern to develop. And if it happens, I'll talk about it. And if it don't, eh, not going to waste my time.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's smart because a lot of people want to be first to report things. We saw that with You know, to go back to Kobe Bryant, a lot of people wanted to be first. With our storm that we had here yesterday, five, six days ago, there was somebody whose name I won't mention because I do not support this person. (laughs) But he, he wanted to be the first one to say winter storm in all caps with 10 exclamation points, and he did. And I mean, it was a winter storm, but... It wasn't devastating, and from what I've heard, not a lot of power outages. I think maybe schools closed a little bit, maybe a couple of roads here and there closed. But it was a good dumping of snow, but it wasn't like some kind of snowmageddon situation. And so I think that not wanting to hype things up a week out, five days out is a smart move, especially when it comes to winter weather. Because literally the freezing line can move two miles to your west, and you're not going to get anything. You know, and so that's, it's good. I am a support your decision
1: so, to hold off. you know, we finally went through this whole transition where we were waiting for snow, waiting for snow, waiting for snow, and it never happened. And finally, you know, they were like, well, hey, you know, chances are tonight that we could see a dusting. So I was like, all right, you know, what? I'm coming home from work. I'm going to stay up late. And if it snows, I'm putting it on Facebook. And I'm sitting at home, I got radar scope open. I have my home as, you know, the center point. I know what everything's around me. Bonnie, two blocks away, they get two and a half inches of snow. I got a flurry and no accumulation.
0: Wow. And so, see, and that's the difference. And it literally, like we just said, it's yep. temperature. That's yep. it.
1: Yep, temperature, heavy shower, and all about location when it comes to this. And so Mm -hmm. I was talking with a friend of mine who sent me a note on Facebook today. He's like, so when do you jump on board? You know, should I wait because I'm gun shy on this too? And I was like, dude. And so I told him, I'm like, I'm going to wait within 48 hours. And I was Uh like, if you look at the maps and you look at the patterns, you look at the heights, the previous one, like we said, everything, the coldest air was going to be centered right over us, and we got nothing, and it eroded out quickly. This, We're right on that borderline of yeah we're in the cold shaded blue area, but just off the coast, it's nice and orange and red. I'm like, yeah i it's borderline, mhm, you know, I'd be much more apt to believe it when the previous run said it was centered right over us. okay, great, We'll have reinforcing shots of cold air constantly. This is like eh, it's marginal at best,
0: yeah, this is things can wobble back and forth, oh this yeah, is and they do on that line, and that's That's just not very certain. You know, like you said, being smack dab in the middle would be more reassuring.
1: Yeah. And even then, it's just you just sit there and you just smash your head against a wall just, you know, every six hours. Here's the GFS. Here's the NAM. Here's the Euro. Just, you know.
0: People just need to understand that winter weather is super picky and temperamental. And it all has to do with, I mean, moisture, obviously, but temperature and not just temperature, but temperature at all the different levels of yep. the atmosphere determines your winter precip. And it's impossible to predict and calculate what every layer, every square inch of the atmosphere is going to be top to bottom across a whole state or a whole city or whatever.
1: Yep. And again, I wish
0: people could get it.
1: Again, it goes back to information that's put into a model, mm-hmm. information through observations. Again, most people don't realize. Okay. Temperature that is recorded and reported is taken six feet off the ground, mm-hmm. in theory, in a shady spot above a patch of grass, right? Grass mm-hmm. retains no heat, okay? 90% of our our, of our reporting stations are at airports on concrete. Don't get me started on that. We'll divulge into that another time. <laughs> but we very it's very rare to have a vertical profile complete of the atmosphere outside of a balloon, right? Yeah we know that you send up a weather balloon it records pressure, dew point temperature, air temperature, humidity, everything, everything you want to know, wind strength, direction of wind, blah blah blah. Okay?
0: But only for the column that it goes through. Exactly. And that's co- not every square inch that a balloon is let go off the surface of Correct. the earth.
1: Correct. So
0: So whatever the balloon calculates in its little column that it goes up Two feet over could be the complete opposite. Dry, warm, blah, blah, blah. And that's going to jack up your winter forecast. So for the models to actually get winter weather pretty spot on means that that we've got really smart people creating these models and that the models are pretty sophisticated. So when it doesn't pan out exactly how the model says it will, people need to chill.
1: Right. It's true. It is totally true. Uh, But, man, so, again, we wait cold air will come into us this weekend. You guys will have it midweek, hopefully. Yep. And hopefully you guys get into some weather, but man, uh <laughs> just sit there and look. This winter will go down in my mind as again, a couple good storms, a couple good severe, you know, storms, but man, there's just there hasn't been that one thing yet that I've seen that, you know, will define this winter. I, I hope agree. And, I, and I hope that's coming.
0: I mean, there's still some time, I suppose. I will say that January is our driest month. And every week we have had a pretty significant system come through that has dropped an inch or two of rain. So that's really awesome. And if those systems, if it had been colder... And more importantly, if it had been cold in between also to keep the ground cold, then those storms would not have been rain. Those storms would have been snow, sleet, possibly ice. So the moisture was there, the storm systems were there, but the temperature was not. So that was our issue right, right now. It's like, play, it's like
1: playing the lottery. You got to match mm-hmm. all five to win the prize and you match three of five or four or five. Right. It looks real promising, and then you scratch off that last one, and nothing. Boom.
0: Yep. Exactly.
1: Man, it's just, it's an imperfect science, right? You know, yeah. it, that that's really what the tagline should be, meteorology and imperfect science.
0: Exactly, and I wish people were more understanding of that, but whatever.
1: Right. Uh, last week, we talked about AMS-100 back in Boston. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not a whole lot happened weather-wise, which, you know, is, is really sad. But did you happen to see the new AMS logo?
0: No, I haven't seen it yet. Ooh,
1: you need to go to ametsoc.org, A-M-E-T-S-O-C.org, and take a look at the new logo. Um, the The AMS seal will still, you know, remain as the official symbol of the AMS. But their new logo is really sweet. It uh, says AMS. And then there's a globe with Rossby waves that represents uh, air, water, and climate or so, huh. so air water and earth the three impacts of climate i just did a presentation on this to my ams body last week um, but it's really cool and i love the design it's you know it's kind of embodies what the ams is is kind of going for right now where they want to not just be you know everything that's weather related but what you know air water climate the whole the whole shebang if you will and so it's really cool to talk about that and you know, like I said, they have Rossby waves is what, you know, the little waves indicate on the globe. But like I said, we had an AMS meeting this last week and we did a presentation from one of the guys. It's a chapter member. He is a fighter fire meteorologist with the National or the Northwest Interagency Coordination Center known as NWCC. So he helps plan out uh, asset movement, you know, trucks, planes, personnel to deal with fire stuff. And so he was going over the new rating for the National Fire Warning Rating System, which apparently will now be one uniform rating system where in the past it was like everybody and their brother had their own definition of, you know, something to look at in terms of fire weather. So you in Oklahoma would look at one aspect, why us in the Northwest would have a completely different one and there was no, like, common point. So now that we've advanced to 2020... And I'm saying this tongue in cheek now that, that we have one uniform system. It will help everybody in terms of being able to fight fire. So uh, he talked about Ross and He goes, it's funny that you mentioned that in the logo because he goes every six to ten days. There's usually a pulse of energy across the atmosphere. And I'm like, huh, I'm a weather geek. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Huh. Just sit there. I was like, yeah. It makes total sense. Wow. We, yeah. And I was like, huh. OK, I know I, you know, listen, I read a lot of weather books. I've taken a lot of weather classes that was never, ever in my mind brought up that, hey, you know, I know obviously that we have energy rides, you know, jet stream. And that's where a majority of our, you know, weather comes from. But it makes total sense. Every yeah. six to ten days we get little pulses of energy, either it's in a form of an actual low or you get a heat low that forms, or you get a high pressure ridge that comes in, but nothing usually stays the same outside of those six to 10 days. So like, huh. Well,
0: I mean, if you think about it, a lot of the outlooks and things yeah. as far as temperature go out six to 10 days. And so maybe that's part of the reason, is because that's how often conditions are changing across right. the atmosphere.
1: So, I was like, huh, that makes total sense. So, I was just like, sweet, learn something new. Besides the fact that I now know that how long it takes to dry out a log that has died in the forest. So, which was actually really fascinating. I'm not going to lie. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So, uh, it takes about a 1,000 hours uh, to dry out a log. But wow. even then, you know, grasses take an hour. Small twigs take 10 hours. Big logs take... 1,000 hours, uh, some other smaller things can take about 100 hours. But that's how they kind of determine uh, where they move assets around based on the conditions. And do you know that most forest fires and most wildfires actually start at the end of an uptick in a drying pattern? So as we mentioned with the Rossby waves and pulses of energy, forest fires usually get going when there's a catalyst to help f- expand them. Wind coming in from a cold front.
0: Heat coming in
1: from a warm front, rain coming in, wind coming in, and pulses of energy usually at the end of a cycle, six to ten days.
0: So like at the end of a, like when a pattern is about to change yep. is when it's more favorable. When it's for more likely that, that
1: something big will happen, yeah
0: and that makes sense cuz it's like whatever that condition of that 6 to 10 days is it's been that condition for a while so yep. if it's been dry for 6 to 10 days at the end of that it's the driest it's been yep. and then you add in here comes the wind co- of he- the approaching cold front yep. bam
1: yep you get a thunderstorm right on the dry line mm-hmm. out ahead of it and we get a lot of you know what we call dry dry thunderstorms out here where you know the atmosphere is so dry rain falls through, it evaporates, it's Virga, and you still have the lightning aspect of it, mm-hmm. boom, pops off a tree, wind blows, spreads the fire, boom, you're off and running. So, you know, just, again, little things like that. And if you want, you can actually go on our Oregon fa- Oregon AMS Facebook page and watch his entire presentation. Yes, it's a lot of data. It's very data intense. But there's a lot of good little points in there, like... You know, you're most likely to get a big wildland event or forest fire based on a pattern change. So,
0: Well, and you can see that with Australia. It's a pretty extreme case where they had this serious, awful fire followed by some of the worst severe storms ever. I don't know if you saw the video of all that hail. Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, here comes the rain showers. It was like, no, here comes some serious, severe weather. So it was a pretty serious pattern swing. So, Right. There you go. Checks out. <laughs> and they even
1: made, he even made the point just because you have a cold front coming through that drops a little bit of rain doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to completely take out the fire danger. Even if nope. you've had a log that has dried for that thousand hours, it takes a long time for it to resaturate and have moisture that's going to necessarily present, you know, prevent it from burning either super hot or exploding or doing whatever it does. So, you know, it was very fascinating to watch this. So, um, yeah. Yeah. There you go. AMS new logo ties right into, you know, Rossby Waves, which ties right back into everything that we look at at weather. So props to the AMS for the cool new logo. Again, go to ametsot.org to see that. But uh, man, totally stoked for it. Uh, they also have all the videos or a lot of the videos from the big speakers at AMS 100. Go back and look at those. Some really cool stuff was discussed there. Um, I'm excited to see what comes out of you know, some of the different little subcommittees and committees on stuff because uh, it's an exciting time to be involved in weather, you know, either air, climate, you know, day-to-day weather forecasting, anything that's involved in weather. It's a really exciting time. And, you know, I think 2020 is going to be one of those years where we get to see a lot of that exciting stuff kind of come to the forefront.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, our goal, my goal for sure, is to be at AMS 101 next year. Yep, we got to go. And Yes, because, I mean, we like talking about weather, just the two of us. So imagine getting, like, you know, 200 weather geeks in one place. It'll just be magic.
1: Yeah, um, and then we can multiply that number by 10 because there's usually between 2,500 and 3,000 people that show up.
0: Okay, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but one other, one thing that I do want to mention – uh one conference is apparently coming to an end and that's ChaserCon is going to be ending this year this is the last ChaserCon they're hosting in denver um i don't know if they're going to continue it outside of that but uh follow them on facebook to see the videos because they'll have some really awesome stuff um it is the last year like we said i'm not really sure why they're ending it or retiring it but it's not my call but uh just search ChaserCon on facebook they have some great videos. They have some great speakers. Um, they've had some great speakers over the past names that we would all know, like Josh Worman from you know OU, which you know, um, mm-hmm. and other people that are into it. I think uh, Dr. Greg Forbes was going to present this year as the keynote speaker, uh, and a bunch of other just really well-known meteorologists. So that's happening uh, this week. Going on right now is the Breckenridge Weather Festival. So. If you're watching TV and a lot of your chief meteorologists are gone, they're usually partying up in Breckenridge right now. So <laughs> they talk weather during the morning, then they go out and ski all night. So pretty epic. Um, a lot of my friends are there, so I'm extremely jealous, but Breckenridge is happening right now. So it's a like I said, it's a good time to be part of the weather community. Got lots of stuff going on.
0: Sounds exciting. I wish I was more a part of it. I'm going to make that.
1: You will. We both will. Goal. We both will. Yes. All right. What do you guys have coming up forecast wise for Oklahoma City?
0: Um, Not a lot. Um, it's been cold today. Cloudy. Cloudy tomorrow. Um, partly cloudy on Friday. Still pretty cold. And then we get warm again over the weekend up into the 60s, near 70. And then... You know, like you said, we're going to get some some pretty cold, possibly Arctic air, but for sure cold air at the middle of next week. So that's where we're at right now. No precip chances, really. One thing I did want to mention, while it was raining slash snowing Monday night into Tuesday, I did remember waking up in the middle of the night Monday to some thunder. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah. So that would mean, I mean, it was raining here, but that would mean that it was a little instability across the state. So I'm sure there was thunder snow up where it was snowing. So Jim Cantori, you missed it.
1: Uh, Jim's in Breckenridge, by the way. He was taking photos of uh, Rob Marciano skiing. By the way, I gave you a shout out and I retweeted this on my personal account, at Bobby Corser. Um, there is a bunch of people on Twitter that we do this weather forecasting game called Weather Warriors oh yeah yeah i remember and you telling me about so that. they did an interview with me last week and so i filled out this whole questionnaire and they only like picked two or three questions that's fine but i gave a shout out to you i said if i could forecast with two people over an event be you and rob marciano from abc who i interned with you for your severe weather knowledge and for him for his overall forecasting skill so they gave both of you guys a shout out and they linked to our podcast so thank you weather warriors for doing that
0: Ah, oh, they are the best the absolute best Um, I do want to switch gears really quick and just mention the 7.7 magnitude earthquake. Yes,
1: we have, um,
0: which was near Cuba, right?
1: Yes. Just south of Cuba.
0: Yes. And affected Miami and everything. Tsunami warnings went out, but I don't think it was for much. No, I think it was for like three or four foot waves.
1: Yeah. If again, and speaking of Twitter, if you want to follow somebody that I absolutely love and adore Dr. Lucy Jones from Caltech. She is fantastic. She's kind of like, she's become the foremost authority on earthquakes. And so she made a lot of really good observations based on this and why there was a chance of a tsunami or not. She said, usually if for a tsunami like that, you have to have the ocean basically move up or down. Mm-hmm. Like an elevation, not side to side, which is what this one did. They did. Yeah. They did issue a tsunami warning for a little while, and then it was re- and then it was redacted. Uh, but um, yeah, if you want to follow somebody that is great with anti-earthquake, Dr. Lucy Jones on Twitter, uh, she's fantastic. She's the one that you see. Uh, Trouted it out in front of the media anytime there's a big earthquake in L.A. or anywhere in California. She's kind of their spokesperson, but she's fantastic for all earthquakes across the world. So follow her on Twitter. Uh, She's fantastic.
0: Yes, and there was a lot of damage. I don't know if anyone yes, there has seen was. anything on the islands and different things like that, but there was significant damage, but not from a tsunami, but from the quake itself. Yeah. So the quake was a lot nice. of aftershocks, too. And I think Miami felt it all the way into Miami. Felt yeah, that, they said so. that they
1: had to evacuate a couple high-rises because they weren't yes. sure what was going on.
0: Yes. But. So, I mean, earthquakes are scary. And then add the possibility of a tsunami, that's even worse. But like we said, you—it it was it – was, redacted after a while and i think the initial warning really was only for three or four foot waves so definitely there's been worse tsunamis out
1: there yep well we'll jump into my forecast here in portland and you know how much i love the detailed national weather service forecasts
0: yes tell me let's
1: let's start playing numbers wise right let's play that snow level (laughs) here we go so Up until Friday, I mean, temperatures are actually getting warmer. We're going from the mid-50s, lower 50s, up to 60 on Friday. Rain every single day. Friday night into Saturday, the pattern changes. We start to get significantly colder. And so we will jump to Saturday night. Showers likely snow level 4,300 feet, lowering to 2,400 feet after midnight. Sunday, rain likely snow level 1,300 feet. Sunday night, a chance of rain showers before 1 a.m., then a slight chance of rain and snow showers. Snow level 1,500 feet to 700 feet after midnight. Monday, widespread frost, otherwise mostly cloudy. Tuesday, a slight chance of rain and snow, areas of frost. Snow level rising to 800 feet in the afternoon, otherwise mostly cloudy. Tuesday night, snow level 1,600 feet, rising to 300 feet or 3,000 feet after midnight, mostly cloudy. So again, we're playing that favorite game of. You know, pick your favorite elevation, throw a dart at it, and call that the snow level.
0: See, and like I have zero experience with that because we don't have elevation here. So
1: (laughs) no, because you guys are like you guys are like a mile above (laughs) sea level.
0: I mean, and okay, we do have some changes in elevation. There's actually a cool 3D printed scale model of Oklahoma, and there is some elevation. But not, it's way far out west, like panhandle-wise, but it's still not that much. So, I mean, like, to, like, be listening to all that, I don't even know what all that means. Like, I'm glad I don't have to deal with that crap.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to i am gonna send you a sign that says Elevation 500 feet. And it's just a do road it. sign. I kid you not. I will, let me think here. we are I have one that's just, like, just down the street a mile or so. But there's nowhere to park and take a photo of it. I will find a spot. Where there's an elevation sign, I will go take a photo of it and send it to you. Okay. And then we'll post on our social page, at Weather Podcast on Twitter, uh, and our Instagram uh, as well. But yeah, we deal with elevation all the time. And I will say this, as a kid, you know, you don't really see it. uh, Let me just, let me rephrase this. You don't really comprehend what your snow level is because it's a magical number, right? It's kind of a mythical number. (laughs) (laughs) Where this is the arbitrary number that at this elevation, it will snow at this elevation, it won't. Now, as a 16-year-old kid, and some, or, was it 16? Yeah, I was 16. Eh, We'll say 16. I was out driving. No, because I got my license at 18. Permitted 16, license at 18. Was out driving by myself. 18 years old. So, young adult total setup like this where snow showers around and they said elevation 500 feet. My uncle and aunt at the time lived on the side of a hill and their elevation at their house was 475 feet. Something, okay, it's 25 feet up so it should be snowing on the roof, right? It didn't kind of work that way. <laughs> but I was like, alright. So the road that they lived off of was a very steep incline and so this went from 250 feet elevation to up to about six hundred feet or so. So I was like, okay. So I know if I'm on this road at some point, I'm gonna see the line change from rain to snow. And sure enough, about five hundred feet, I was sitting there looking at it, and I'm standing probably about four ninety. It's a rain snow mix on my windshield. Wow. And then at five hundred feet, it's all snow. Wow. And you can see the you can see the line where everything was starting to turn white. Above this line, and everything below it was a rain-snow mix. That is crazy. Yeah, and it was, I mean, like, that was one of those defining moments in my weather patch that I'm like, okay, this is really cool. And I've only seen it one other time driving through the mountains. But Because to see the actual line of, like, where things change yep.
0: physically with your eyes and not on a weather map somewhere is just got to make things so much more real and more understandable. So that's crazy. It's just like when we see a cold front come through and you can see the cloud line coming through and you're like, that is the cold front. I'm looking at it. Like it should be blue with the triangles, but it's not, it's clouds. So that's, that's magic. I wish I want
1: to see that. Yeah, it was it was really cool. I mean, it's, like I said, it's one of those defining moments of why I love weather because you can actually see the atmosphere cut into two pieces. Above this elevation, it's so, snow all the way up. Below this elevation, it's just a little bit too warm. And just it, for me, mind blowing. It was really truly mind blowing. So, I love
0: that stuff. Just crazy, yes. yes. And see, that's the stuff that we live for, right there. It, is that kind of thing.
1: Yep awesome i mean just uh, i'm getting chills thinking about it right now uh but as we said we're getting ready to go into february and then bonnie once march rolls around it's national weather podcast month
0: Woo! we're almost there we just gotta get through like what 29 30 more days yep Yep. and and we were there
1: and uh we're looking forward to it um i haven't seen if we have any new additions come on board i know that we lost one podcast but that's okay um We are going to be doing a special giveaway. So, as you guys know, last Christmas I bought Bonnie one of those handheld anemometers from Twister.
0: Yeah, which I love.
1: Yep, same here. I have had multiple. We're going to be giving (laughs) one of those away. So, I contacted my weather dealer. Yes, I have a dealer. Um, (laughs) Your weather
0: dealer. My weather dealer. Like he gets you, like, hot stereos or something. Exactly. Yeah, he gets me
1: cool weather instruments. That's my guy right there. Shout out to Matt Sloan at... um, Cyclone Performance Weather Instruments. But uh, he's got a couple of those, and so we're going to give one away during National Weather Podcast Month. We will have more details as we go forward. Um, but it's funny. You mentioned people gone before the time. I was watching Twister last night
0: mm. and Bill Paxton,
1: and I was just like, oh, man. But by the way, I and watched – And the other
0: one. What's the other one's name?
1: Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who played Yes, Bestie. yes, yep. yes. Another great actor. So those two gone before their time. But I was sitting there watching that movie and I was just like, you know what? I have one of those handheld anemometers. Bonnie has one. We got to give one away. So we're going to give one away. Uh, more details on that coming up. But uh, we're super excited to you know go through February and March. We got Valentine's Day to go through. We have uh, St. Patrick's Day coming up. We have my birthday coming up. So uh, we got a lot of fun here coming up in the next uh, 35, 40 days.
0: Right, right. And then I've got that um, that yes. event I coming wait. up with me either. It's not until March 6th. It's so far away, but I am super excited. It's Stormfront Freaks taping their 100th episode, I believe, with Gary England and Rick Smith. At a brewery, also, so it's really just like the perfect combo of awesomeness. Right. So right. I'm counting it down,
1: I, I'm, planning my
0: outfit, the whole thing. I am so
1: incredibly <laughs> jealous, but I'm so stoked that you get to be there. Um, so it will be, it will be a lot of fun. I can't wait for for you to be there, and I can't wait to hear the podcast with those guys, are great people, and uh, yeah, I'm I am significantly jealous. I'm not going to lie.
0: I'm so excited. So I'm I'm marking days off on of my calendar. So I cannot wait.
1: Oh, I can't either. All right. Another great edition of B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys in just a couple days. Bye.